today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. So when the disciples ask him, where are those taken? Where are they taken to? Jesus says basically this, where the vultures are, their bodies will be. That's where they're taken. In other words, those that are taken away are actually swept away in judgment and perish as did those in the days of Noah. And that's what Jesus is saying. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching a special series related to the global coronavirus pandemic. There is no middle ground with Jesus. You are either for Him or you're against Him. Today, Pastor J.D. will be explaining how the Bible makes it clear that you're either a child of God or a child of the devil. There's no in-between. Those who choose to reject the sacrifice of Jesus will be eternally separated from Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 26 as he begins his message, Will life ever return to normal? But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But, verse 37, as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then, verse 40, and this is where it gets interesting. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women, verse 41, will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, verse 44, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Okay, now Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 26. Again, Jesus is speaking. This is a parallel account in Luke's gospel of the account in Matthew's gospel that we just read. Luke, by the Spirit, writes, verse 26, chapter 17, And as it was in the days of Noah so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And 
the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, verse 30, will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, and this is very important, verse 31, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever, verse 33, seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night, this is interesting, there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. Now verse 37, I want to draw your attention to this verse because it is germane to our understanding of what Jesus is saying here. And they answered and said to him, where Lord, in other words the question is, Lord where are those that are taken, where are they taken to? Listen to Jesus' answer. So he said to them, wherever the body is, there the eagles, better translated vultures, will be gathered together. Okay, movies and books and documentaries were all basically written on this premise based on these passages about those, quote, left behind being those that missed the rapture. Seeing it that way meant that those who were taken were those raptured, and those left behind had missed the rapture and entered into the tribulation. However, upon closer examination and further study of the text within its context, I believe this is not speaking of the rapture, rather it is speaking of the second coming. And if you'll kindly indulge me, I will explain the reasons as to why I believe this, and I would also uh, in so doing encourage you to study this for yourself, rightly divide the words, search the scriptures as we're told the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17, and see if this be so. Okay, first, it's important to understand, I, I really need to preface this by saying this, that these two passages in no way dismantle the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture. In fact, I would argue that it instead reinforces this truth, this sound doctrine 
of a pre-tribulation rapture. And the reason being is that this is speaking chiefly about Israel and to Israel during the time of the tribulation. And it's evidenced by what Jesus just got done saying to them in the previous verses. Verse 15 of Matthew 24, listen, Jesus speaking, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, the rebuilt temple, and then we're told parenthetically, whoever reads, let him understand. Then verse 16, Matthew 24, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant, and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And verse 20, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. That that kind of clears it up right there. Uh, Why is that important? Because in the winter, and particularly on Shabbat, the Jewish Sabbath, on Saturday, all transportation virtually shuts down. So what Jesus is saying is, pray that when this happens, and you have to flee, and don't even turn back, don't even look back like Lot's wife, as Luke records, don't even look back, get out, flee, run, pray that it's not on the Sabbath because transportation is shut down, and woe to those that are pregnant and nursing babies in those days, or pray that it's not in the winter against, again, transportation is greatly hindered. And then verse 21 should really also seal the deal. He says, for then there will be great tribulation. This is the seven-year tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Okay, that's the, one of the main reasons why this is not speaking about the rapture. But here's another one, and this is very important. I believe Jesus is not talking about those left behind at the rapture, because of his answer to their question about where those are taken in verse 37 of Luke 17. So when the disciples ask him, where are those taken? Where are they taken to? Jesus says basically this, where the vultures are, their bodies will be. That's where they're taken. In other words, those that are taken away are actually swept away in judgment and perish, as did those in the days of Noah. And that's what Jesus is saying. As it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. This is the second coming at the end of the seven-year tribulation. Now, by understanding it this way, one is able to resolve the problem of life being business as usual by virtue of this being a description of the wicked. 
the parallel of Noah in Matthew and the parallel of both Noah and Lot in Luke describe what the wicked will be doing at the time of the end, not the righteous. Namely, that of being drunkards and gluttons involved in sexual immorality related to what some believe is actually a reference to same-sex marriage. They'll be marrying and given in marriage. There is this thought that what Jesus is describing is at the time of the end, this is what the wicked will be doing. It was really interesting. I don't know if you caught it in Luke, but he says they will be eating they will be drinking, they will be doing all of this. So it's not speaking of God's people. Now, the question becomes one of why does this even really matter? And my answer to that question would be that it matters now more than ever, and I'll explain why. If the aforementioned passages were referring to the rapture, then it's inferring that the rapture cannot happen right now. And if that were the case, then you totally destroy the sound doctrine of imminence. What's the doctrine of imminence? The doctrine of imminence is that the rapture can happen at any time. There's nothing that has to happen before the rapture happens. It's imminent. I like that word, and I think you know why, because it's kind of a word that sounds like what it is, imminent. The rapture can happen at any minute, imminent. (laughs) So that's what the doctrine of imminence is, that the rapture can happen at any time. There's nothing that needs to happen. So The problem is, if the rapture can't happen until people go back to business as usual, returning to normal, whatever (laughs) that's going to end up looking like, then you, in effect, delay His coming. Don't do that. Because if you delay His coming, and something has to happen first, namely that of going back to business as usual. And, and right now it's anything but business as usual. I mean, there's basically a global shutdown. So if you interpret these passages as Jesus saying that the rapture can't happen until people are back to work, buying, selling, building, planting, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, then you delay His coming, and now you are saying that something has to happen before the rapture happens. And then, if that happens, here's what happens. (laughs) You think, well, we still have time, because now things are good again, and there's no hurry, and there's no worry. And if you think there's no hurry, and there's no worry, then you can just party on eating, drinking, and being merry, as in Noah's day. I want to draw your attention to the end of Matthew 24, where Jesus teaches this parable after He gets done saying what He said about 
not going and praying that it's not on the Sabbath or during the winter, and that there's going to be all of these things that are going to happen. And then he says in verse 45 of Matthew 24, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed, verse 46, is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But, verse 48, listen to this, if that evil servant says in his heart, ah, my master delays his coming. I mean, they've been saying that he's coming for how long now? And yet he hasn't come. He's not coming. And verse 49, the result of that, because (laughs) no hurry, no worry, my master delays his coming. Things have to happen first. He begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. Does that not sound a little bit like what Jesus was just describing about the days of Noah and the days of Lot? The master, verse 50, of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour that he is not aware of, and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Back to our question concerning life ever being normal again. When I first posted this on social media, that this was going to be the title of tonight's teaching, I had a number of comments from online members saying, I don't want life to return to normal again. I want to go home. I want this to be it. It's kind of reminded of when we here in Hawaii had that uh, false alarm that took 38 minutes for people on the island to figure out that it was a false alarm, that there was a nuclear missile en route to strike Hawaii from North Korea. And so like those of you who were here and you got that that warning, and then your your first response was, uh, oh this is just a drill, and then the, the text, the warning said, and this is not a drill. Oh, this is it. And then when we found out that it was a false alarm, My first response, and I have to confess this, and I have confessed this, I hope you don't think differently (laughs) of me when I say this, but my, my first response was, oh, you mean it's not it? It was a false alarm. I was so ready, and this is it, we're going home, and this is how it ends. And I know for some that can be a sort of a bittersweet thought because of the many loved ones that don't know the Lord and will truly be left behind. And I understand that. But at the same time, I, I think about the Apostle Paul, who was very honest, I guess, for lack of a better word, saying that he was so torn. He was so torn because he, deep down inside, really wanted to be home with the Lord. 
But he was also torn because he knew that he still had a lot of work to do, the work that God had called him to, and that they needed him. His preference, if he, if he could choose, and his, his preference would be to go home to be with the Lord. But he realized that they needed him, and so he was torn, because to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So I want to answer this question. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this, Lord willing, on Sunday. But it is my personal belief that if life does somehow return to some semblance of normalcy, it will never be like it was before. And I know that's kind of a (laughs) doom and gloom way to say it, but I'll take it a step further and suggest that while we don't know when, we do know how this ends, because we're told in God's Word how it ends. It's going to end at some point, at some time. We don't know the day or the hour. We can't know the day or the hour. But for us as believers in and followers of Jesus Christ, it will end in the pre-tribulation rapture. In the twinkling of an eye, Paul writing to the Corinthians in chapter 15, verses 51 and 52, says that it will be so fast in the twinkling of an eye, not a blink of an eye, a twinkling of an eye, and we're going to put off incorruptible these bodies, these corruptible bodies, and we're going to put on our new incorruptible bodies. Did I just say incorruptible? We put off corruptible, we put on incorruptible. We get our new bodies in the twinkling of an eye, and we're caught up, First Thessalonians chapter 4, we're caught up to be with the Lord in the rapture of the church. That's how it ends. We don't know when, we just know that. And let me say lastly, that this is why it is that I would rather be ready for this to end with the rapture and not have it happen right now, than have it happen right now and not be ready for it to happen right now. I mean, again, I hope you don't tire of me saying this, but I'll just say this lastly. This will be the last lastly. What do we have to lose living our lives with this expectancy of His imminent return? I assure you there will no way be anyone in heaven that will say anything to this effect. Man, I sure wish I wouldn't have been ready. There's nobody going to say anything like that. Thanks for joining Pastor J.D. today on In Spirit and Truth. We know that this time in our nation is uncertain, but one thing remains steadfast. God is in control. We encourage you to spend time during this season in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of God. As with many churches across our nation, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe is holding services online only. We would still love to worship with you virtually, so please join Pastor JD at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to be notified when each week's service is made available. 
Pastor J.D. will continue to share his Mideast prophecy updates as well. In these, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them with prophecies found in the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. You'll find these on YouTube or on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying for you about? If so, send an email to us at office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Would you do the same for us, please? Keep Pastor J.D. and our church staff in your prayers, asking the Lord to guide us as we navigate this new and unexpected time in history. And of course, please keep our nation and our leaders in your prayers too, as well as all those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying, and thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth.